I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. And I feel like you can, I had to do it one more time. <laughs> what are we going to re-record that? Never. We need to anyway. We've talked about this before because that was before we knew how to work microphones. And so we were talking <laughs> literally into the wrong end of the microphone. I mean, you do Yeti's backward. Sounds great. <laughs> no, nah, this is an MXL. Oh, well. Yeah, that's that was back when we could like see humans in person. This is a, oh, before wah, the doc, wah. before the empire, before I, the doc times. I think we're on our one year anniversary. It's about this time of year. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. We should have a one year anniversary pod. We actually should. That's a good idea. And we should like we should see if we can get a couple of guests that were on like early last season. Yeah. Who are AKA Neil Mosley? I was gonna say who are the guests that would come? <laughs> I don't know. We had Neil and we had um didn't we have Justin Berenger one week? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to go, yeah. It's, it's well. been a long year. It has been. Well, friends, we are delighted you're here with us on this podcast. If you um, haven't uh, paid attention to worship in the past <laughs> couple of weeks, we encourage you to do so on our YouTube channel, also on our Facebook page. Um, we've got worship. Uh, we started a new series two weeks ago, Bread, Water, and Wine, um, about the sacraments. And so... Uh, We'd love for you to catch up. Next week is World Communion Sunday. Yeah, it's it was a lovely worship service yesterday, and I think uh, the as we said before, if you didn't get a chance, I would really encourage you to go back and watch the Sunday sit down as well. Totally, um, it's only about twenty minutes, and it was good morning, Shelley. Hooray! <laughs> we have somebody watching live on YouTube. Um, it was it was a wonderful conversation, Phil, with you and Emily and Sileni. Um, mm -hmm. and it was just, I think it, it tied perfectly into worship without being duplicative, dupli duplicative Ooh, of yeah. any of the themes that we were going to cover. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta be honest going into this, I was like, I am not exactly sure how we're going to tie shade and fresh water and the work they do into the idea of baptism. And I had a couple, like maybe like long shot ideas. Uh, but as the conversation kind of unfolded, I was like, oh, no, this is fantastic. This is working yeah. really well. And Emily, as you know, she's an elder in the United Methodist Church. So elder I think she's deacon. deacon. I think she's deacon. deacon. Yeah. Um, so she was already, you know, thinking about that, too. Like she thinks <clears throat> yeah. in a very connective way. And so this the phrase shade and fresh water, which they talked about and Sileni talked about is it's kind of um, it's wishing you the best. It's wishing you an abundant life and the good life, as as Sileni said, and then Emily translated, um, which then I thought just paired so well, Mitchell, with what you said in your sermon. And you always say it's like God is this God of abundance and not scarcity. <clears throat> yeah, I um, go ahead, Phil. Well, I think I said that on the podcast the other day whenever you weren't even here and Rebecca was like, oh, you're really channeling Mitchell this morning, even though he's not here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I just was looking at Wesley's like means of grace before that sermon. And it's just, it's apparent that um, there are uh, a number of ways we experience God's grace in our life. And yeah, I think uh, it's a good reminder that it's all about abundance. 
you don't run out of these opportunities to experience God's grace. There's not a finite amount of it. And um, the abundant life is, uh, I think, what we're all striving for, right? Mm. And it's interesting, too, because the uh, the work of Shade and Fresh Water is that we step in alongside God, that it's not just God that is abundant, but that we have the capacity for abundance to right. share with others. Right. Um, so I just loved this concept of over 20 years, and I didn't realize that their ministry was quite that old, but um, this, this like, like I said, sharing alongside God with what we have to give others um, in the ministry of, of recreation and sports and learning and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, and so whenever you originally said like, hey, there's this ministry of shade and fresh water, we should look about having them on the sit down. Of course, my, my mind went to, oh, yeah, it's going to be somebody who like provides fresh waters or digs wells or something like that. Right. You know? Like yeah, that's no, what I initially a, thought. Right. Yeah. Um, but hearing what shade and fresh water really means, you know, like, and like you said, this abundance, mm-hmm. I thought was such a really cool connection. And the fact that they've been doing it for 20 years, like they've literally raised an entire generation of, of people um, there in Brazil who, who now have like, and like, like I love the story Selene told, right? Like who have like had their lives transformed mm-hmm. by the experience they had with this. And so yeah. that's when it hit me. I was like, this is exactly what we do with baptism. You know, like this, we, right. we commit, whether it's an infant or whether it's an adult or somewhere in between, like we commit to say, we as a, a community are going to be here to support you. And if you're an infant, like we're going to make sure that you, your parents are supported and they're going to commit to, to raise you in the tenets of the faith. And we do the same thing. Like, as a church, as a, what they're doing day in and day out in their after-school programs and the way that they're caring for children there in Brazil. Like yeah. just, it was really incredible. I thought it was a really awesome conversation. I always love baptismal Sundays, whether that's mm-hmm. baptism of the Lord that happens generally the second Sunday in January, give or take a few days, um, or it's a remembrance of baptism that we do as a community, or it's an actual baptism of somebody in our church. Because it is, it's this we, we need so many reminders, right? I mean, yeah. it's like Mitchell says, like it's, it's simple, but it's hard to do. <laughs> so you need, you keep needing reminders. Like it's simple. All you have to do is show up for each other as a community, right. but wait, that's like real hard. <laughs> it's not, yeah, there's not a, there's not a complex formula to it. It's just hard because we're selfish, right? I mean, just yeah. human nature. And I think this goes back to um, understanding that, uh, you know, I think one of the challenges with with this idea of the first theme of baptism, when I, when I was talking about this idea that God acts first, right? That God pursues us before, um, before we're even aware of it. And then we eventually have an opportunity to respond. I think why, I think people struggle with that concept. And I think we struggle with it because, we really put ourselves at the center of the universe and, <laughs> and it is hard to fathom that like, we don't make the move towards God. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think then that in one of the problems with the, with, with I'll say Western Christianity in a modern context is we think it's like about us making that step towards God. And so, because we become enlightened or we need some, we need, we need to reorganize our lives or we need a better life. Right. And so we like, I'm making the decision to say yes to God. But the truth is like, we only are able to do that after God has said yes to us, like repeatedly over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And I think the reorientation of our, um, the center of our universe is really important. We are not the center of the universe. God is. And and when we kind of buy into that, then all of a sudden we can get to a place where this idea of God acting first makes a lot more sense. 
it's a response, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's a response. Baptism I think, is always a response, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's always been powerful to me about differentiating and not all traditions do this and that's not a bad thing, but um, in Methodism, we differentiate between baptism and confirmation. Sure. A lot of traditions kind of lump them together and it does right. make sense, right? That you, you would decide you're ready to receive God's grace. That's another way of looking at it. But to me, it's even more powerful to say like you're baptized and it's, it's simply an act of grace from God to right. you and from your community to you. I think we often forget right. that piece mm -hmm. is like the, the community surrounding and filling in the gaps. You know, I remember a little while ago, we, we baptized somebody who doesn't really have a lot of family and our community became this person's family. It was beautiful. Um, Not a child, but, an adult. So yeah, right. an yeah. adult. Yeah. Yeah. But this differentiation between baptism and confirmation becomes then even more powerful because when it's time for confirmation, um, in, in various steps, we gave out Bibles yesterday to a lot of our older elementary students. And that's kind of the first mm -hmm. step of like coming into your own in the faith, mm -hmm. but realizing that you already are surrounded by grace. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say the right words. You don't have to read a certain number of chapters. It's so freeing in such a mm -hmm. performance driven world. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, um, that's the biggest challenge for our Anabaptist friends and 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 Wesleyan folks to like try to find common ground is because we really do hold very different um, divergent views on baptism. Mm -hmm. I I do like the idea that that as United Methodists we can have like a multitude of understandings of baptism and it's okay. Like we do baptize adults at at a conversion moment and that's acceptable and welcomed and yeah, if you're listening yeah. to this and you want to be baptized like i want to have a conversation with you about baptism uh but we don't withhold it from um from from folks who may not know right. children infants uh other other um elements of the body right other folks in the congregation that may not have an awareness of what's happening um as a sign of grace it's also god a, a gift to the community because mm -hmm. the church is just better when more folks of diverse um embodiments and theologies and um experiences are a part of of the community and so yeah, baptism is just a really important sacrament, I think, for us. And the more we do it and participate in it, I think the more we become aware of it. I think that is a challenge because baptism is such a um, – has to be a scheduled thing, right, most of the time in the United Methodist Church. Like we have to get it on the calendar or we have to like – someone has to say, I'm ready to be baptized, right? Well, especially now, right? Because right, we have to totally. say like, okay, totally everybody bring now. your masks. Like, and right. You set up all three of your cameras out front like we have <laughs> Saturday, right? Uh, but, but that's a challenge. Think about churches that that maybe are in decline, or or maybe not have don't have any children in their midst. Like, they could go months, years without having a baptism. That's why I think that's um, the this, sure. Yeah, I think the sacramental nature of remembering our baptism right. is so important. Yeah, totally. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like we got several comments yesterday on the the altar display. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I also posted pictures last week and this week of the two different altar displays and there'll be a third one next week. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, anybody who is interested kind of in delving a little bit into that because more often than not, there is a deep theology 
that I put into those worship displays. Not always. I mean, sometimes it is just sort of a beautiful <laughs> reflective piece. Sometimes it is just lovely fabric and a single candle and it's meant to sort of inspire. But um, right. more often than not, there is a theological statement that I'm making. And so I just wanted to bring out for anybody who is an artist and appreciates these things that last week and this week, and then also this coming Sunday, um, on the two sides of the altar, you'll notice that there's one candle. There's the Christ candle that Mitchell, you referenced in the opening prayer. And then on the other side, there's three. And so that's the three in one, this notion of God in community and God as a singular entity. Um, and then in the center, it speaks to the theme. So this week we had the waters kind of caving, like, con you know, cascading down, which number one, that's probably my favorite fabric because mm. no matter what I do with it, it looks gorgeous. It's like <laughs> foolproof design, <laughs> choose good materials and then you can't fail. Um, but also it tied into one of the scriptures um, that Sileni read from Amos, let justice, you know, roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. This, uh, I always like to think of it as the, it's coming off of the altar. It's overflowing onto the floor and like, it's kind of, it's splashing onto us. It's getting onto us. Like God's grace is messy almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and last week I did that with the, the fabric that looked kind of like oil and water mixed because I was looking at the way we make bread. So uh, there was wheat on the altar in the center. And then, so the most simple way to make bread is flour, which made from wheat, oil, water, salt, right? And so, and yeast, um, if you make leavened bread. So I just, I kind of wanted to bring that out because I think, you know, we have a lot of people in our midst, in our congregation who are artists, but just like, I encourage you to use your imagination because there's not, it's kind of like poetry. There's not a right way to see it. Um, right. But I think that's just another way that we can speak to all of our senses, that worship is not just something we see or hear, but it's something we like experience. If you're in person, come up and touch it. Yeah. I, it's, it's a really good point. This idea of all of our senses, we, um, you know, I think in worship, we primarily think of our senses as being, um, you know, hearing as a mode of uh, receiving and understanding just because it's so, um, you know, we it's so verbal. Uh, but think about the sacraments themselves, how um, how much they invite the whole uh, kind of gamut of our senses, right? All of our senses, it's, yeah. it's taste, it's, um, it's touch, it's, uh, it's movement, you know, in some form or fashion, baptism happens not where we are seated. And even in communion for us it does not happen where we're seated. I just think that this whole um, holistic understanding of worship is really important. It's something we miss as Protestants. We don't, we don't kneel as much as we probably should. We don't stand as much as we probably should. We don't smell as much as we probably should. Right. We're not yeah, any more smells. Um, but I think that the, the altar scape, and is really an important aspect of worship for our community because it's a um, it pulls the the body, the participant uh, within within worship to to past um, past the the speaker themselves or the or the 
the reader or the preacher um, and, and acts as a, a pliable uh, piece of stained glass in our midst, right? I mean, that's why we have stained glass. It's not just because it looks pretty, right? It's supposed to invoke something in us. It's not just uh, good design invokes something in us. And I think like that, that's clearly what happens when, when you're um, on your game with the altars. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, I have a whole theology of space. We could do a whole podcast right, episode totally. just on like, I think, I mean, I think worship of God can happen anywhere and does happen anywhere. But I think the theology of space is so incredibly important. And you're right. We as Protestants don't, we, we miss some of that sometimes. I think sure. when you, when you are blessed and fortunate enough to be able to visit these old cathedrals, you know, in mm -hmm. Europe, you see the care and, and in ancient Israel, right? The building of the temple, each stone is precisely measured. Like the space we're in matters. Mm -hmm. And I think also as a singer, um, you know, when, whenever the time comes when we're able to gather in person and we can sing again, the acoustics matter. I mean, I have a theology of acoustics too, right? Because heavily carpeted dead spaces are not conducive to godly right. singing. I have a whole soapbox on this, right? And so that's one of the reasons I love White Rock as our sanctuary is just physically so beautiful that it itself inspires worship. Right. There's a really fun term for this. It's called the concretization of the ideal. Say what? what? <laughs> Say that again. The concretization of the ideal. And so like when you read the Leviticus and you see all these ridiculous like specifications, it's because when life is in chaos, the best thing you can do is be specific. And mm. so even though they were in the midst of like wandering and like in this like nomadic state, like state of being, there's this call to be extremely specific to concretize the ideal that they have wanted to embody. Mm. That's beautiful. Give you a whole, whole different uh, understanding of Leviticus. Huh? No, it's yeah. no, no. Yeah. It's really actually um, makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I I think we, you know, I we see it when we look at these old baptismal fonts, right? Yeah. Like the walking into the water, that's very specific. It's like, you know, the steps oh. are measured out, like you're coming in from the east, you're going out or you're going out towards the east, you're coming in from the west. Like that's intentional. It's intentional that it looks like a cross. It's intentional the water's a certain depth. Like um, there there's also I think a lot of them they used to have 28 steps if I remember right. I yeah, and they they said that was often based off of the same as a woman's cycle. The what? Off of a woman's cycle. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. huh. 28, 14 steps down and fourteen steps up. I, I think maybe I don't. I have to go back and relook at it. But whenever you said that yesterday, talking about the baptismal oh, yeah. fonts, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. But I mean, yeah, these cathedrals, right? Like charts. Like when when I was like walking that um, uh, labyrinth, like mm -hmm. intentionally at the back. Right. It's intentionally yeah. the back or the, the narthex or the nave like these these designs have very specific meanings. And I think that um, when the baptismal font is reduced to a dusty prop that we pull out once we have a baptism, right, we, mm -hmm. we it becomes hard to remember. And it That's... becomes to remember. Our own. There's a fly in the air. Just wow. <laughs> uh, if if y'all are then... not watching, what you're missing is Mitchell like waving his hand around. Dramatically. I thought he was getting really worked up about what he's about. Yeah, <laughs> <my hand. laughs> 
So I, you know, the I love putting the font at the back of a of a space as we exit, mm-hmm. so that we have to, we're we're forced to engage with it as a, an act of remembrance. Well, um, and that's why a couple of years ago I freaked out when I was able to get our current baptismal font. That's this gorgeous, yeah, you know, so cool, uh, giant and heavy. When it's full of water, it's yep. very heavy. Uh, baptismal bowl because I do I think it should be a work of art. I mean I think that that artistry inspires us to remember God's artistry in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Oh, <laughs> you, so you referenced Rebecca, the, um, the Amos text that we had, we also had a text from Ezekiel. Will you share a little bit about the thought of um, why to incorporate those texts in a, a, a Sunday focused on baptism in the, I think the idea and the importance of kind of justice connected to the ideas of baptism. Cause I think we often think of like baptism again as a one and done kind of thing and don't often associate the justice mentality along with baptism. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why to pull those scriptures in. Well, so um, worship design is not done in isolation, right? I'm mm-hmm. incredibly honored to work not just with you guys as a staff, but also with our whole congregation. So the Ezekiel text was actually brought to us by one of our members, Ernest, who said, this is just really heavily on my heart. I want to give it to you. And I was like, you know, I, this reminds me so much of the baptismal vows that we make. Um, you know, do you, uh, commit to resist evil injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And that call from Ezekiel, you know, stop oppressing my people. Um, that is just, it's just a single verse, right? I mean, but a whole sermon series could be preached on just that verse. And then you pair it with this Amos text again, which is, you know, let justice roll like waters, righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Um, to me, those are just, those are calls uh, to, to do the work, right? We are blessed to receive the, uh, unending grace. And once we've received it, we're called to go share it. If we receive it and don't do anything with it, that's like burying our talents in the ground. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just think Ernest and Seleni brought those two texts to life for us. And I think our challenge is to choose every single day to, you know, to live with justice and mercy. And actually I was going to share a story. Um, so my friend Bill, who I worked with at another church, he he told me the story. It's probably, you know, y'all have probably heard it, actually. It's probably one of those that all pastors have in their arsenal of, like, illustrations that you pull out for your sermon. Mm-hmm. But it's an illustration of the difference between justice and mercy. And I just found it really interesting and helpful um, because we say these a lot. We say, like, you know, God calls us to justice and mercy. And it's like, you know, bacon and eggs, uh, peanut butter and jelly, right? Justice and mercy. They they go together, but you don't really think about them as being separate entities. So the story Because they're goes, both so good. Because they're both so good, right? Yeah. Uh, what's bacon without eggs? What's That's justice right. without mercy? Um, but the story goes that there are these, there's this uh, village living beside a river and they... Um, one, one day they notice that there is a, a baby in the river that's like drowning. So they quickly save the baby. And they're like, oh my gosh, we have to save this baby. And then the next day, there's another person that's drowning in the river. So they pull that person out and they save them. And they keep doing this for many days and they save everybody. Nobody drowns. But then somebody on the, the council of the village says, 
we've got to go upstream and figure out why these people keep ending up in the river. Like we can keep saving them and we should, but we have to figure out why they're ending up there in the first place and need saving. And so mercy is pulling them out of the river. Justice is working up upstream to stop them from being dumped in the river in the first place. It's one of my favorite parables. I think it's just a phenomenal mm-hmm. explanation of ministry, right? It's so powerful. And, I mean, life me. in general, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a lot of food of, for thought. Uh, Zarasco Romero quote, they, uh, you know, when I feed folks, they call me a saint. When I ask why folks are hungry, they call me a communist. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, and baptism has that element to it, right? Obviously, exactly. like on behalf of the whole church, I ask yep. you, right? do yep. you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject yep. the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Uh, Those are powerful you, words. Right. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, uh, not as uh, we've come to understand them, right, or not that make it easy, but in whatever forms they present themselves, and th- that call to that work, you know, af- you you answer yes to that, and then you answer, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, right, and promise to serve him as your Lord, right, like, these are, um, these are foundational, life-altering uh, changes not only for the individual, but the more we take our vows seriously, they are life altering and transformational for the communities that we are then embedded into. And I think that that is a, a really important part of remembering our baptism is remembering the vows that um, were, we either made or were made on our behalf um, and that we make on behalf of others when uh, when they're unaware of God's grace in their life. And yeah, it's just the justice mercy piece, I think, is I appreciated that, Rebecca, for the for the distinction because you're right. I think it is often conflated, and and they they are two separate things, um, closely intertwined. Intertwined, um, and you probably don't have a good sense of justice without uh, actually being engaged with acts of mercy, right? right like right. we can't really say, "Hey, uh, we need to change the system" if we don't know. Uh, what, know, where the suffering is, the we don't the heartbeat on the suffering. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I I just I mean, it was a really rich Sunday. And and like I said, you know, I'm I'm very grateful not to do this in isolation. So the the liturgy came together with probably a dozen different voices influencing right. the way that I wrote the liturgy and the way that we chose the scriptures and you know, the the small group of folks that did the last hymn down to the river to pray that we recorded that together. Mm-hmm which included like four of me, but also a couple other people. <laughs> which is also pretty pretty awesome, right? Like that's the reality we're I, living in right now. I, I'm going to have a conversational sermon with myself using acapella. <laughs> please do. Can you please do that? Would that be I, – I would have loved to try to figure out how to do that. I just keep thinking about the interview that uh, – I think it was that Trump did with Vice or whatever, where they ended up pulling him, or he was talking to himself. Anyway, sorry, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but but please uh, do that, Mitchell, because I can only imagine how phenomenal that would be. And fantastic. <laughs> oh, speaking of, uh, it takes a village, right? Um, Phil, good work on the board yesterday. Thank you. Oh, I thought Thank- you said the Borg, and I was like, wait, are we in Star Trek? What's happening? <laughs> well, we're not. I was referencing Marcus Borg. No, um, 
yeah, Dexter had another shoot he had to go to yesterday, and so he got us all set up, thankfully. And then uh, I had to run the board. Which yeah, you and you and Charlie. I mean, we need to give Charlie more shoutouts because he totally. has been he's been present almost every single week since we yep. moved back into the sanctuary. Definitely. Um, just a you know a great he he has a film degree, doesn't he, from UNT? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. f- film and journalism, whatever yeah. that that degree is at unt so anyway so yeah i mean phil you and you and charlie did great but i could tell your blood pressure was kind of high how you doing today bud a little high i did a little little deep breathing yesterday got to hang out sit back isn't it it's so stressful there's like so many things that are happening all at once between the audio and the the, i mean there's just like three different things at once that you're always doing do you remember what what sunday was it where i did it from my desk and and Oh yeah, where the numbers really spiked, right? The fourth, where I was like just pushing the buttons. Yeah, that was when. Yeah, that was when Dallas cases were at their highest, and we were all from home. Yeah, yeah. That was. It is stressful, man. But you did great. Shelly just called out and said, "We want to see Dexter." People keep saying that they don't. Yeah, we got to get Dexter on the Sunday sit down. I think it'd be awesome. Who's gonna run this the board though? Whenever whenever. you will. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'll interview Dexter. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was a really good Sunday, and uh, we end with a really good Sunday next week. Uh, World. Yeah. Community. So I did want to just say, you know, a little um, save save the date. So this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'll have three different opportunities to drive by the church. Um, so come to the come to the old gate side, right in front of the main sanctuary doors, and pick up your World Communion kits. Thursday evening, seven to eight. Friday lunchtime. 10, uh, 12 to one and then Saturday morning, 10 to 12. Um, so come and pick those up and then we'll celebrate world communion together. It's going to be great. And then we start our favorite season at the church. Everyone's favorite, right? (laughs) Stewardship. Yeah. Stewardship. I'm going to make one other shout out too, because we're in this weird season of church in 2020. We also have a survey going currently where we'd love to know your thoughts on how church is going in 2020. And so if you go to wrumc.org slash survey, you can take that survey and um, don't judge that the website's not quite done, but at least the link is there. So uh, you can get to the survey there. And uh, it's just, it, it's going to really help us better understand how you feel um, church really is going. And that's, mm-hmm. that's when we say church, we mean not just worship on Sunday mornings. We also mean like, like this and everything yeah, that we're doing that, yeah. that incorporates um, the body that we, we, that we, call church these surveys are actually really important for us and so yeah, yeah um show note it put it in the show notes bro. rock them show notes awesome cool. well uh good work team for the right. listening thank you yes we'll take care you everybody. next week you're listening to a podcast recorded at white rock united methodist church in the heart of east dallas For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.